ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. We have Craig Burley, Stevie Nichol and myself, Kay Murray. We have actually found something to talk about on this day of international action. Quite a lot of things to talk about, actually. You'll be pleased to hear, Craig. So let's get oh, started with Manchester United. That's where we'll begin the show today. Oh, there's a shock. <laughs> there have been some changes at the top at Manchester United as the club finalises the sale of that 25% minority stake to Sir Jim Ratcliffe. To talk more about this, let's welcome in Mark Ogden and Jan Agafiotta. Mark, let me start by asking what this takeover will actually mean for Manchester United. What's actually going to happen? Well, first of all, in classic Man United style, it's not a takeover because the Glazers have only sold 25% of the club. But it's almost like, think of it as Jim Radcliffe buying a franchise from the Glazers. The Glazers are going to stay there, or certainly Joe Glazer and Avram Glazer are going to stay there. Jim Radcliffe's going to run the club, he's going to run the football side of it. And obviously, with Richard Arnold going this week, he's going to have a big say in how the club is run itself. But the Glazers will still own the club, but they basically have decided to pocket £1.5 billion for 25% and leave Jim Radcliffe to run it. And Jim Radcliffe's plan is to bring in the experts. Now, easier said than done, because we know in football there's a lot of experts who don't actually stack up to being experts when they get the chance to do the job. But over the years, under the Glazers, United have made too many easy appointments, yes-men, people that aren't good enough for the job, and the culture of the club has just drained and drained as a result. And I, you know, People are texting me every day saying how bad the morale is at the club at every level, from players to, to staff to club staff. So... Jim Radcliffe coming in, the idea is that he will find a way to bring in best-in-class people, chief exec, sporting director, potentially coach, if, if Eric Ten Hag doesn't get results right on the pitch. So I think I think it's a positive, but you know we've seen these before at clubs where people, new people have come in. It doesn't always work straight away, but I think it's good news for Man United. But it, Turkeys don't vote for Christmas, do they? <laughs> Not that, I, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. They don't. Richard Arnold voted against... Uh, Ineos coming in in the 25% stake because he knew the writing was on the wall uh, that they were going to clear him out and clear others out in the football department so he voted against it you know, uh, trying to self-preserve obviously uh, that hasn't worked the Glazers are taking a backward step which is some, some good news I mean I think a full takeover would have been the best clearly but it's not but you know, getting these people in who've made our people out from you know, the free previous people like uh, Ed Woodward through to Richard Arnold and others that have just made poor decision after poor decision. At least it is a step and at least it's showing that, that Sir Jim Ratcliffe, <coughs> this huge investment in, is going to be given pretty much the autonomy to make these football decisions, which, let's be honest, are decisions that have been pretty poor for quite some time now. Yeah, is that the case then, Mark? No glazers at all in footballing matters? Well, Joe Glaze will still have a, a place on the football board, but I think that's just purely a legal thing. But his presence will be there. But basically, they take a back seat because they can't really lose in this scenario. As I said, they've pocketed £1.5 or they will do £1.5 billion for that 25% stake. So they've got that in the bank already, or they will have soon. If Jim Radcliffe succeeds, 
the clubs start winning again, they become a more attractive proposition to sponsors, they win more prize money, the value of the club goes up, so that's a big win for the Glazers. But like I say, if it all fails, they've got £1.5 billion for, for the trouble of just taking a back seat. So the Glazers will still be involved as backseat drivers, but you know they'll still be there and the fans won't be happy about that. But I do think that certainly from next summer's transfer window, that's when you'll start to see changes being made because nothing can happen in the January transfer window. It's going to take maybe two months for the investment to be signed off by the Premier League. And by that point, United can't really sign anyone in January anyway unless they bring money in because of the FFP situation. So if they get Sancho out and if Saudi Arabia come calling for Varane and Casemiro, which is possible, then they could have some money to spend. But I think it's unlikely. But, you know, next summer is when it'll start to really take off in the eyes of Ineos and Sajim Radcliffe. Are we going to get through this show today? I don't want him. Stevie, you're going to be presenting in about <laughs> 10 minutes. Time of year when you've got little kids, I'm ready. Yeah. I heard you today. Yeah. Huh? I'm like, I'm, holy smoke. OK, you mentioned Jaden Sancho. I've only just started. <laughs> don't make it worse. You mentioned Jaden Sancho there, Mark, because there are reports that Sir Jim Ratcliffe wants the issue between Eric Ten Hag and Jaden Sancho resolved, what, is that going to happen? Well, somebody, someone's going to have to take a backward step and either apologise or say, you know, let's, let, let's, let's compromise. And I don't see Eric Ten Hag doing that right now, and certainly not Jaden Sancho. But I think Jim Radcliffe's right to ask the question because, you know, Jaden Sancho definitely overreacted to what was a, quite a mild comment by Eric Ten Hag eight, nine weeks ago now. But I think Ten Hag is, is not helping Ten Hag either. He's got a player there that could actually contribute to the team right now if he's fit, because obviously Anthony's not doing much. So I just think Jim Radcliffe's right to, to you know lift every stone and see what's underneath it and say, look, can this be done better? I think he'll go in there, he'll get rid of lots of people, he'll, he'll not put up with the kind of mediocrity that the Glazers put up with. And I think if his manager, he's not picking a player because of what amounted to a petty little spat, then that's not good on the manager. So I think... Yes, it's a good idea, get them together. And if Sancho or Ten Hag aren't for backing down, then somebody's got to pay the consequence for that. And it could be Sancho, it could be Ten Hag, but I think he's right to say to them, sort it out. Ten Hag brings Jaden Sancho back into the dressing room, they get this resolved. What message does it send to the dressing room? Well, the manager loses face, the manager loses power. I mean, it's really straightforward. If, if Ten Hag is told to do whatever Jim Radcliffe says, he loses respect from the, from the players. So this, unless, unless Sancho apologises. Well, yes, but I'll be honest. Would you put any money on Sancho apologising just because a guy called Jim Radcliffe comes in? Jim Sancho will have no idea who Jim Radcliffe is. Will have no real interest in, in what's going on behind the scenes. Whether the the Glazers get 1.2 billion and somebody else is running the foot. Jim Sancho won't give a job. He'll be, he's still wrapped up in his own little world, and right now there's no way Jaden Sancho's apologising, and Ten Hag certainly can't, because if he does, he loses all sorts of respect, I, left, right, and centre. I know you're answering, but I, I've, I've, I've sort of forgot, Augie, the whole crux of this Ten Hag Sancho issue, because I'm so bored and it's been so long. And it just seems so ridiculous. Just, just a quick snapshot again. What, what Sancho? He said he didn't train well. What Sancho? What Sancho's huge? What's the big grievance here again? Well, well, Sancho. I've been told that obviously Sancho felt that Ten Hag was wrong to say what he said in public. Now, 
he had been dropped, he was left out of the squad, so Sancho would have known why he was left out of the squad to travel to London that day for the Arsenal game. But he was he was unhappy that it came out. And there are suggestions that Sancho also feels that he's been treated differently to some of the players. You know, some of the players get more of a pass from Ten Hag. Well, ultimately, if he didn't train well, we, you, you guys will know, you've, you've all played with players who don't train particularly well during the week, but they turn it on the weekend. Sancho's problem has been he doesn't train well, he hasn't turned it on the weekend, but... You know, I keep going back to the Carlos Tevez situation at Man City. That was much, much worse than this. He refused to come off the bench on, in the Champions League game. Roberto Mancini wanted him out of the club and he went back to Argentina, started playing golf for a bit, ended up coming back about three or four months later and helped them, helped them win the league. So if that situation, if there can be a kind of rapprochement there, I'm sure that Sancho and Ten Hag, considering this was a much more minor issue, can sort it out. But like Stevie's right, you know, Jaden Sancho is pocketing a massive salary right now. And if he leaves Man United, he goes back to Dortmund, goes to Saudi Arabia. I don't think he'll care because I don't think the modern day footballer, many of them actually care too much about where they are right now. I think if he leaves Man United, that's his chance at a big, big club gone. But, you know, he'd be set for life. Jan? Well, I think it's interesting before we, uh, with Sancho, is, is this is a consequence of the situation as Manchester United, of course. And, but I think that we, we first have to congratulate the Glazers. I mean, I don't know them personally, but uh, from strategy here, this must, this, this must be perfect. The one thing they're criticized for is the sport department. So they take that away. They're still in charge and uh, they get 1.5 billion pounds or whatever. To, to do that, it, it's a fantastic deal for the Glazer, Glazers. Having said that, I think that what people in and around say to, to Mark or say to myself when, when we are at games at, at Old Trafford, it can't be worse. So I think with, with a local Sir Jim Ratcliffe coming in, he will bring in experts. There are so many experts in football now anyway, but it can't be worse. And yes, there are, they, won, they won a title. If, if we use the stats, they've been quite good the last five games in terms of uh, results and everything. But everybody that has something to do with the club, with the sport matters, they just say, what, what kind of club is this? And this is Manchester United, one of the biggest brands in the world, and they are run like a League One team. But still, Glazers manage to still be in charge. They won't be criticised. I guess that's the plan. And I hope, Mark, you know you know better than me than this. I think the hope for the Manchester United fans, you start with 25%, and then there is a chance to kind of increase that uh, part of, of the club. But why should Glazers do that if everything is OK? Well, well I mean, let's, let's stick, on the, stick on the Sancho thing if we but can. Can you, ma- can you imagine somebody coming in years ago and telling Fergie, who was having a big beef with a player, you need to bring him back in. But what, what do you think would have happened? He, he would have said, you back me or you fire me and you he, can have your player. And he would because he's a really strong character and obviously we've seen well, Ten Hag is. Like, how does that work with the coach? Well, and so the that, if we go back to a, a scenario that was probably not near the end, but it was relatively fresh before Sir Alex retired, was the Roy Keane scenario. Slightly different, but it was a sort of, you know, Roy has stepped over the line, in his opinion. And so Roy needs to go. And, and you know, the club, Fergie made the decision. Now imagine the club said, no, 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 no. Roy King has to stay and you have to. It, it, it wouldn't, but, wouldn't have happened. It but wouldn't have happened. Up, Craig. 
Craig, I think that you have Yapstam, you have Ruud van Nistelrooy, you had, uh, uh, you had uh, Roy Keane. That was Fergie's. But Fergie had built up a position at the club. And it's, it was a slightly different back in the days, even if he was uh, one of the best leaders football has ever seen. The problem for Ten Hag now, I don't think he have that much credit in the bank. Mm. Uh, he has, that is his main problem. So you were talking at the, at the start of the show, can he, will he lose the dressing room? Will he lose the players? Will he lose his job? And I think that, that, that could be the alternatives coming up now. So for Ten Hag now, it's a very, very difficult situation coming into this uh, so-called takeover of the sport department. But if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm Jaden Sancho's agent, hmm. I'll tell you what I'm telling him. You keep your head down, you don't say a word, keep training with the kids, because you know what? This guy will be gone. And then, and then we'll see where we are. Uh, that's what I'm telling Jaden Sancho, if I'm his agent. You sit tight, because this guy probably won't be here that much longer. Do you know what? I, I, uh, apart from Ten Hag maybe losing face, if this has, do you know what it's going to make? Do you know what difference this is going to make to the football aspect of Manchester United? Zero. It's not going to make a football difference, because this team is not very good, and this player has not been very good. And not for a couple of months before this shenanigans started, for 18 months. And we can talk about how he performed well at Borussia Dortmund and, and, and you know, I know yesterday's show, there was a clip from Ed and Tails that's talking about him and blah, blah, blah. That's, he's not at Borussia Dortmund now. Man United supporters, football club, shareholders, couldn't give a stuff how he performed at Borussia Dortmund. It's what can you do for me now? And what have yeah, you been doing should, for me? Yeah. And so he hasn't... And he should, he hasn't I, go on, Jan. And I th I th now I think you should apologise. I'm not with Stevie. I understand what Stevie is saying, but I think that Jaden Sancho, we, of course, we will know a bit, but we don't know the whole picture. Fair enough. Well, there we go into a, a analysis of the situation. But Jaden Sancho, he is the player of Manchester United, and yes, maybe, and Mark is saying this maybe his last chance as a big club if he's doing that kind of a thing and it's a modern footballer, they won't do that. But I think it's time now to Jaden Sancho, and maybe right at this time, go back and say, I stepped over the line, I didn't accept what you told me, but I, I, I want to play, I want to be back. To play with the kids, no, 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 no. Go back and apologize. Be strong to show that you're a bit weak. I think that is, uh, that's my advice yeah, to James Sancho. Get to play don't football. You think that, don't you think that would be the wrong move? Because he, the, the longer... I, the I lo don't think it's a wrong move. To, to say to him to sit tight... I, I, I'm we, oh, to sit tight? No. Oh, I, I do. No, the longer no. he's portrayed as the villain here, the worse it is for his career going forward. Mm. Right. He needs, to, he needs to bite the bullet, get good advice, go in, yeah. suck it up, and get his career back on track. That's the best thing to do. Unless you get, you know... I mean, but what let, does it say to the next coach, Stevie? If he digs his heels in, what does it say to the next coach that he wouldn't apologise to the previous coach? Well, the coach? next coach isn't going to give a... He's really not going to be that bothered. He's going to pull him in and, and say, right, tell me what happened here. How did this go so badly wrong? Jaden Sancho will come up with his story and he'll make it... And it'll all be pushed towards Jaden Sancho and how he was wronged and this and the manager, blah, blah, blah. But if you've got a player with the, the, the supposed talent that this guy's got and you're a new manager coming in, you want to do well. You want to, you want to give him a chance to show what he's got. 
So I don't think the new manager is not going to come walking in and go, well, this guy can stay with the, with the kids. That's not happening at all. But and the chances of him apologising after, what, eight, nine weeks, the fact that the place is in an absolute shambles. Mm. I mean, the longer he's out and the worse this team gets, the better, the better a player he becomes. I'm not sure about that. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I'm, I'm in the opposite. Ca- gonna, what's he going to do? You just I'm, said I'm, it. He, well, right. He hasn't, he's not going to do anything. I'm in the, the opposite camp here, though. That's, that's my opinion. But if I'm his advisors, I'm saying... This Man United team, particularly in the wide positions, is rank rotten, right? If you can get your head in the game, right, you have the talent, you've not shown it really at United, but you have the talent to get in this side and make a difference. Now, do I think that will happen? Probably not. But if I'm advising him and I'm, I'm, I've got his interests, I'm saying, look, make us, go in there, suck it up, make yourself available, get some game time, look at who you're up against. Palestri, Garnacho, Anthony. These guys, I mean, Garnacho, they, these are young players, Anthony and, and others. Yeah, there's, an, there's an opportunity here to get back in the team and get back on the horse. I think after a week or 10 days, or that's what, yeah, that's what he should have been doing. Well, no. that's what he should have been doing, but I think, I think he's too far gone. And, and the situation the Man United are in right now, as I said, the, longer, the more he doesn't play, the better Who's player he becomes because anyway? the rest are absolutely... Well, yeah. Who's going to take apparent him? Apparent interest from Juve, Borussia Dortmund have been mentioned as Juve, well. Juve, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Mark, who lasts longer at Manchester United then? Jaden Sancho or Eric Ten Hag? <laughs> oh, Sancho. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no, I mean, I think January is the key time, is it? Because when you get to January, the window opens then and... United's problem is that there will be people who want to take Jaden Sancho, but they're not going to take him on the 1st of January. They're going to make United sweat because they know that his value has gone through the floor. You know, Not only has he got a, a bad situation at United, everywhere he's been, Jaden Sancho has had a bit of a problem. Man City, Pep Guardiola didn't fight to keep him. He's had in- situations with England where he was dropped by Southgate for late, being late for team meetings. He had issues at Bushy Dortmund. So you've got a player who's got a track record of being difficult, shall we say, and he's got a current situation where he's not playing because he refuses to play. apologise to the coach. So United will find a buyer. Then if he stays beyond January, then that then all bets are off because it depends what Ten Hag does. And I think my, my money would be on Ten Hag, but I don't think Ten Hag has got a very secure future right now because the, if a new owner comes in, all these, you know, this PR speak that oh, Jim Radcliffe backs, backs Ten Hag, that's rubbish because it'll all be about results. And if Jim Radcliffe thinks that the results aren't coming, he'll, he'll get rid of Ten Hag like the click of her fingers because he's not got a lot of time to hang around, has he, Jim Radcliffe? He's 71. He wants to get success but, now. He's not got 40 years of this project. He wants to get success now. So Ten Hag is on time as much as Jaden Sancho is. But I think that it, when we had advice to Ten Hag, I'm 100%, I would never say to Ten Hag, take him back without the player apologising because mm. no one is bigger than the club and a player is talking to the, his boss, which is the manager. And Manchester United can't have a manager who says, yeah, welcome back. I told you to apologise, but don't do it. I I need you on the pitch. Then he has lost everything. Then Ten Hag is gone. So if Ten Hag will be fired of the treatment of Sancho, well, at least then he's showed so dignity. He can show to Sir Alex Ferguson what he did with with Stam Fanistroy and Roy Keane and whatever. But Jadon Sancho, please, this is Manchester United. You could play for Manchester United... Go in there. You are a talented player. Go in there and apologise. It's just a word. Just get into the team and produce some football. 
Well, he's so one. Some of us find these words harder to say than others. <laughs> 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 but, but you know, will this, will this, uh, just briefly, Augie, will this, will this just be about results, or will, will it be about results and performance? Because, you know, the new, the, well, no, the new ownership. I don't know what to call it. So Jim Ratcliffe knows. Yeah, it's a re- results-driven business. But scraping past Burnley, scraping past Sheffield United, scraping past Fulham, scraping past Luton. It's not going to get it done, is it? Let's be honest. So it's going to have to be a bit more. It's more than just results. It's about seeing an improvement in performance on the field. Yeah, there has to be a sign of progress. And there's been none this season. And you're right, every win they've managed to get this season has been a struggle. You know, they haven't actually won with any kind of conviction. But, you know, the one thing that Ten Hag Ten Hag supporters will say is that he's had lots of injuries this season and that is fair you know a lot of his key players have been missing the flip side of that question is why do Man United's players keep getting injured are they fit enough I mean I, I, I saw them against Newcastle in the Carabao Cup and they didn't let anything like fit now is that because the players aren't equipped to be fitter or is he not training them well or is it just a coincidence I think there's a lot of questions to ask about Ten Hag and those questions aren't really being asked right now because as we said before the Glazer situation people upstairs like Richard Arnold looking around for another job I think the questions do start to be asked about Ten Hag the moment that Jim Radcliffe gets in the club because he's not doing very well. Simple as that. And, you know, for me, he's not a Man United manager. He's not got the charisma, he's not got the personality, and he's not getting the results. And that's quite a difficult combination, isn't it, for a guy that is managing the so-called biggest club in the world. If you're not winning and you're not playing good football and you're not particularly projecting yourself very well, then what have you got to offer? So I'd imagine Jim Radcliffe right now is thinking, OK, we'll give this guy to the end of the season because nothing can change before then anyway. But he'll also be looking around thinking which coaches are available that can, you know, take this club on and take the team on and have the kind of the, the persona and the charisma to, to manage Man United. Oh, another day in the negative Man United sweatshop. There's a lot more talk about Manchester United over on our YouTube channel. Make sure to check out our website as well for more from Mark on Manchester United to rating, as you can see there, all their signings since 2018. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com slash deals that's alienware.com slash deals passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Norway in friendly action oh. in the Faroe Islands against the Faroe Islands. This is Haaland getting injured late on in this game, as you can see. I don't know how friendly Pep will be about what he sees here. He lands awkwardly here on his heel. He did get off and continue to play. Jan Agafiotov had a close eye on this one. He was there, in fact. He's all right. Big, is he all right? Are you okay, big, Jan? Is he boy. okay? It was scary because uh, you can imagine Norway, Faroe Island, and we could have gone skiing in Norway. It was very cold, and this was just at the end, so five, six minutes at the end. And it was a scare when he went down, and then he... I was thinking, please let him stay out. Why should he go on for the last five minutes? He didn't touch the ball. He was only walking around there. Then after the game, uh, our team doctor said he got the same injury. Remember, he got that against Bournemouth. So he twisted kind of his ankle, and we've all twisted our ankle. It can be long, it can be quick. What happened after the Bournemouth game? He was ready for the young boys game. Uh, three days later, he scored two goals uh, in the Champions League. Uh, I think it is a bit worrying for Norway that he won't play in Scotland. I can't imagine that the next couple of days that Pep Guardiola, somewhere in Manchester City, will find the telephone number to Stoller Solbach. And you know that game you're having in Glasgow? There is no chance that you can qualify. Please let him not play. We're playing Liverpool at the weekend. Why was he even playing in this one, though, Jan? Ah, that is a good thing. I heard a conversation with the national coach. They said he, he was okay to play 45 minutes. And he loves to play for his country. I have to give him that. He loves to be home. They have a good environment in and around the national team. So that is a lot of different things doing that. I mean, Manchester City and all the big clubs, they don't want him to go to kind of games like this. Uh, and then... That was a scary thing, and you can hear it, we were like 10, 15,000 in, in the stadium. And when Erling Haaland got down, I, was, I think everybody thought of Manchester City. And uh, he, he was playing because he wanted to be in that rhythm and so on. You, you can get injured in a training. You can get injured going down a, a stair that I do now, now in my age. Anything can happen. So that was just bad luck and just hope that he will be back. I hope that Pep sees it that way, Stevie. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he will. <laughs> I don't think. I don't. I actually don't think Haaland should either. Listen, he he's got to be sensible. He. I'm. I'm sure he understands how important he is for Manchester City, and the fact that they can't qualify. If there's anything at all, he should. 
he should have used his brain and said, look, hey, get me off of here. As much as he loves playing for his country, as soon as he felt it, he should have been off. Because what happens, you know, Jan's just told you that this happened to Bournemouth. <laughs> now it's just happened again. You don't need to get yourself into a position where it becomes chronic, where every time you get yourself in a position where you have to throw your body and you <clears> hurt your ankle again, you know, that thing can just start getting irritated too often. So he should have used his brains and he should have been straight off the field. Back in the old but days, see, you, just, see, you, you, you just got somebody to ring up from the club know. and say, I'm injured and I'm not coming. Yeah. Is that what you'd have done back then? Sorry? If yeah. it were you, would you have done the same thing? Uh, if, I, if it was a friendly and I didn't want to... No, I, I, no I, look, I don't remember doing that. But uh, at the end of the day, the, 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 the rules have changed. You have to turn up now. But, you know, throwing a bad back, that's, a diff that's always a difficult one to, to find out. You know yeah. what I mean? You say, my back's a bit sore, I can't play. Use your brains. Faroe Islands but, but, at home? Yeah, but, Come on. But I think, but I think boys and girls, uh, I think that uh, that was not only the um, responsibility of Erling Haaland. I think that that was my mate is a national coach, Stoller Solbakken. He should have taken it off. I tweeted it straight away. Take him off. Why should he go on the game? We are 2-0 up against Fire Island in a friendly game. And he went off again. And I'm with Stevie. I've been tr troubled with my ankles all my career. Did all the taping and all the training. You don't want that to get into your body. That is a virus kind of thing that you'll have in your ankle. You just need a small thing like that. You saw he landed on his heel and he twisted his ankle. So he should have been off. And he should never have been allowed to go on that pitch again. It looks like it's a better situation for Haaland and Man City than it is for Real Madrid with Camavinga pulling up injured in a France training session. He is likely, according to reports, to be out of action until the end of the calendar year. Obviously, Chiuameni out of action until around the same time too. There's going to be scans to determine the severity of this issue with his knee. How does this affect Real Madrid's title push though, Craig? Uh, well, uh, the one way to look at it is we're going to find out. But I was looking at the fixtures actually up until their the winter break and they're not too, they're not too bad. Right. They're not playing. I think the, the biggest team they've got to my knowledge is Betis. Uh, so the fixtures are relatively kind because thinking back about what, how's the midfield going to look now, maybe Tony Cross and Luka Modric are going to have to play together again a bit more often, uh, which has been great for them. But if you think about this season, when the two of them played together in, in the big match in the Madrid derby, it, it was a shambles. Uh, and, and they had to make changes. They got completely overrun uh, in the middle of the park and, and Alvaro Morata had a field day. So I, I think there's some thinking to do for, for, uh, for Ancelotti. Maybe Jude Bellingham drops a little bit deeper, but that negates all these goals. And so there's, there's, a, there's a lot to think about. It could, it could affect them big time, but as I said, the one thing that's gone in their favour They've a couple of Champions League games, but apart from the Betis game, unless I've missed something, there's an Almeria and there's a Mallorca and there's a lot of them, so it sh they should be okay, but you just don't know. So those two old guard are probably going to get called more into action along with Valverde and I say maybe Bellingham in a slightly different role. Uh, but maybe not for the full two months with the old guard for every game, uh, Stevie, because that would be a lot, wouldn't it? Especially with what Craig's saying about El Derby. Yeah, it would. I mean, it's it's... Just, it's just a little, another little chunk out of, of what Angelotti can do. At the same time, you know, Camavinga right now is probably 
getting as many games at fullback as he is in the centre of the midfield and not losing your fullback shouldn't be questioning whether you win the league or not. Yeah, but they had too many at that point. Well, yeah. and now they lost him. And so Mendy's been coming in to yeah. play left back because Frank Garcia was a nightmare. Been a bit more versatile, David Oliver. Well, he should be playing left back anyway. He's got, if you ask me. He's got some thinking to do, hasn't so he? So Angelo has got some. Yeah, he's got some decisions to make. Let's take a look at the Premier League standings here because we have put Mark Ogden to task today. We've not just been getting him to talk about Manchester United and everything that's been going on there. We've asked him to give us a best eleven from the Premier League season so far. So talk us through it, Mark. Yeah, well, you know, it's that stage of the season, international break, isn't it? So we have to kind of find something so people can sell tomatoes at me, and I'm sure the guys are going to do that now. Um, so I've gone for, uh, obviously, Vicario in goal. I think he's had a great start at Tottenham. Uh, I think the, the, the ones that might, the, the lads might be a bit surprised at are Neto at Wolves. I think he's had a great season. So, you know, for Wolves, you know, top assist in the Premier League. But it's really hard to pick players that out of the big clubs, I think, you know, Adogi at Tottenham and, and Mickey van der Ven have been great. Obviously, van der Ven's injured right now, but Tottenham have been, until the last couple of games, the, 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 one of the stories of the season. It's just a shame that van der Ven's injured, but we've only played 12 games, so it's kind of a, it's a hard start. But I think I'm, I'm happy with that team right now. Did I hear that Liverpool legend Stevie Nicol wouldn't have put van Dijk in there? Correct. I was the same. I don't... I, I honestly don't... Is playing well. Saliba. Saliba. Oh, he, hasn't yeah. put, he hasn't put a foot wrong for about three years. <laughs> I know he was injured at the end of last year, but before that, he was the best centre-back in the Premier League. And I would argue it's between him and Van de Ven, who's the best this year as well. So, listen, Van Dijk's had a decent start, but I tell you, that I, I, there's no way you put him ahead of a Saliba. Not a chance. And you agree <laughs> with that? Yeah, that was a, it's really the. I would love to be able to just go through this team, but that was the only one. I was like, well, Van Dijk's been better than he was last year. Right. He has been better, but he's not that Saliba's not been flawless, but Saliba's been a Rolls Royce at the back. You know the way he played Haaland in the in the Man City game, even in the loss at Newcastle, uh, which was very controversial. I think that's the one out of that eleven that. I would say, yeah, that I would change. Jan, have you got any problems? I got many problems, but if you're talking, if you're talking, <laughs> yeah. if you're talking about the this best team, eleven eight one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think I, I'm with with Mark that Tottenham have got a, a great season. That's why I want Madison in there. And then there's the next thing is uh, who who do you take out uh, <laughs> of, of that midfield? Uh, Silva is brilliant and all that, but Madison, Son could play up front, of course. That that would be one. I'm uh, John Stones. He hasn't played enough, of course, uh, but still he, he's always good when he when he's up there. And and if you see the numbers he, with Madison, I think that you can't avoid to have Madison in the team of the Premier League this season uh, as it is uh, for Tottenham. Uh, uh, as for, uh, uh, for Guardiola on the left back, I'm a big fan of Guardiola. But I think Mark, Mark has done a good job. Thank God Shaka didn't do the team. I think we would have more disagree on that. <laughs> you could have thrown, I suppose one player, you know, I'm not suggesting he's better than Rodri, but, and he's had a stupid suspension recently, but you could throw in Basuma. Again, Tottenham, yeah. Tottenham yeah. angle here, but he's been, along with Saar, in the middle, Basuma has been been outstanding, but but Rodri's such a good player, you yeah, know. Yeah, what, yeah. what about Walker at right back? We've added Walker over Trippier. 
Oh, this is unravelling now, isn't it? Yeah, what oh, yeah. All of a sudden, you're getting uh, did a belted. Minute to warm up. Well, nah. listen, I think I think if, if you if Gareth Southgate's playing a big game tomorrow, I think he plays Walker before trip here as well. If he uh, plays how, a big game how, tomorrow, Calvin Phillips will be playing. Mark deciding this last night. Um, I don't know. It took, took about ten minutes to be honest. Um, no, seriously. I mean, look. I mean, Trippier. Trippier. I think offers more going forward. I think that's why I get him ahead of Walker. I think. I think the guys are right. Saliba, Madison. They're very close, but it's just who do you drop? And I, I take the guys' points on on, on Van Dyke. But I just think I saw Saliba at Newcastle. I thought Callum Wilson gave him a bit of a going over at times. So that maybe coloured my judgment a little bit. But I do think you know Van Dyke is still a great defender despite Stevie's reservations. Listen, Augie. If the, Manchester United, if the Manchester United manager was picking this, he'd have Johnny Evans at centre-back. That's what he'd do. Evans is be one of United's best players this season. There you go. So, Augie had two pieces to write last night. They, they, they want the 11 for us today on FC.com. And the hate Man United piece. There's two pieces. And, and, and the right Man United piece as well. And the right, yeah. And so, yeah. clearly the Man United, they, they, this 11 yeah. just got... It got Kenny Shaka's power rankings time. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's unbelievable. We are discussing so many things here. And you put Sobitzlai in there. He came from RB Leipzig. He, he more or less come to English football and he's in there. And no one of us is questioning what a season he has had, how he's adjusted to English football. I mean, that is also amazing uh, how he's done for Liverpool. Well, hold on. He's, a, he's a captain of Hungary. Should be, should be adjusting. We've been yeah, a little bit li concerned about you, though, to be honest, Mark, because no, on, on, we have on Monday's show. We saw a picture here. It looked like Gavin Jules were ganging up on Mark on the Gavin yeah. Jules show. Yeah, we absolutely. didn't understand this setup. What's going on here? Why did it? Why well, did it look had, like this? He had a bad cough, so he had the good thought, the good sense to stay away from the, the, the rest of the panel, unlike others. <laughs> I mean, it felt like a job interview. It was kind I mean, of. I felt very intimidated by the big heavyweights opposite me. You see, so. Was, I mean, uh, short, of, short, short of them two sitting in their normal positions, Augie, and you sitting outside in the car park, it couldn't could, <laughs> could have been more obvious. That's what I felt. Yeah. It yeah. was like you were encroaching in their space, Augie. I'm just saying to you. I think he was. I don't Absolutely. think he passed the interview either. Thanks so much for being with us. You're always welcome here on ESPN FC. But... As soon as you left that, as soon as you left that studio, there was blow dart after oh, yeah. blow dart, and he's back. Look, this is the latest edition, and he's not there. So he didn't pass that interview, did he? Check out the latest Gavin Jewel show. It has just dropped wherever you get your podcasts, and sometimes you'll see Mark Ogden on there. <laughs> We wanted to show you this from Luton Town's Andros Townsend, who is convinced that eating chicken feet will prolong his football career. He says every night, chicken feet, probably about five or six chicken feet. It's 20 minutes in the steam oven and get it down you. You eat chicken breast, you eat a chicken wing, you eat every part of the chicken, but you want to turn your nose up at the foot? Come on. Would you eat chicken feet, Stevie? Not a chance. Why? <laughs> Full of collagen, apparently. Support longevity. Just the thought of it, I wouldn't do it. I'm sure, that, I'm sure there must be something in it that would, that's supposed to be good for you, but... I, mean, I, why don't just, just... I just I couldn't get my head around eating chicken feet. I couldn't do it. There's lots you couldn't <laughs> eat mine, didn't there? Yeah, There's a, a long load. list of stuff that it's you... It's not want. a load. I, mean, I won't touch it either. Don't get but, it. <laughs> just the thought of it, no. What about the eyes and the nose? And we'll just, ah. just go the whole hog. Where do we go from chicken here? Feet. Is, is there anything you've ever been told that would help you in your career, or you've been told by somebody, whether you bought it or not, that you should be putting into your diet to help? 
diet. With an injury or, or whatever. You've got a dictionary. <laughs> diet? What's that? <laughs> Just diet? What's a diet? She's on a boat. Just... No, no, diet. no. What's diet? No. Your diet's just what you eat on the regular anyway. No. no. Listen, I th- you know the things you shouldn't do. Right? And you still do them. And we still do. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and what about you? Up in Norway, maybe there's some well, things that would surprise us. I thought you were going to say Barnsley. <laughs> Up in Barnsley. <laughs> Up in the borough. Where we, where we learned, where we learned, didn't it? That was the first thing. We were in the 90s and they didn't have all these experts bringing in so so we learned that for three four hours before the game we need to have the pasta the pasta so the only thing i'm the worst chef in the whole world i can't do anything i have to google omelette so i can't do anything but i learned how to do a pasta bolognese because i needed that before the game and i couldn't ask my wife to do that i was a bit uh, not polite so i had to do it myself so we, we learned that pasta bolognese i came to to Germany and Austria, they had a feeling that before games you had to eat a cake or they had to, to get something into your, your, your body of these cakes that they have in Austria. And I never went into that. So, but pasta bolognese was always good. That was a good the first, thing. The first I ever came across it, I say I'm across it, I don't really know what a diet is, but in a football structure was around 94, 95 at Chelsea, probably 94, when Glenn Hoddle brought yeah. <laughs> uh, a dietitian in. And uh, let's just say the boy, it, it was so extreme the other way that the boys were just going mad. In fact, <laughs> our, our friend and Jan's Norwegian friend, my colleague and friend, Ellen Jonsson, <laughs> almost had him smashing tables it was it was just it was just just extreme was it more a case of what was banned i knew when salt was banned everything was banned it was tasteless i knew the game was gone when i was sheffield wednesday it'd be 97 (laughs) i came in at half time and i was dying for a cup of tea and the doc came over to me because i got managed to get a harder one the doc came over and said what are you doing i went i'm having a cup of tea he said why are you doing that i said because i like a cup of tea after he went It'll dehydrate you, you know. I was like, oh, oh Doc, I win. Shut up. Stop but I have experience. It was all over then but, once the tea was gone. Okay, last point, Jan. Now, just uh, I talked about drinks. I mean, uh, at the winter time in, a, in an English club, not to be named, we had, uh, they, they put out a, a small glass of whiskey. So we take a little whiskey before you go out on the pitch. I never did that, uh, but yep. there, there, was in the, there was offered in the dressing room. Stevie, have you experienced that? Yep, yep. Were you the yep. one operating it? <laughs> no, no. No, I, I think I told you before, Phil Neal used to have it every day. Uh, every day. Every game. <laughs> before he went out, he went in, they run his bag, we caught a bottle, just took the top off, went, just a quick one, and that, that was it, out of the pitch. Oh, well, these three guys will be answering your questions on the latest edition of Extra Time. Be sure to go and check that out every single day over on our YouTube channel. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. 
Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Let's get uh, CONCACAF Nations League underway then because the US men's national team begin their quest for a third straight CONCACAF Nations League title with a quarterfinal matchup against Trinidad and Tobago coming up tonight in Austin. Sebastian Salazar is there. Obviously all eyes on him as always, but all eyes on Greg Berhalter too, Sebi. Absolutely, yeah. Big test for him uh, here in this uh, two-leg quarterfinal. Obviously, the spot in the semifinals at stake, but also the spot in Copa America. And uh, as a huge, huge tournament coming up next year here in the United States, U.S. needs to be in it. There's still a back-channel qualification route if they were to lose to Trinidad and Tobago, uh, but you don't want to suffer that humiliation again. U.S. fans remember what happened in Cuba now over six years ago when the U.S. lost to Trinidad and Tobago and were left out of the 2018 World Cup. And Greg Berhalter has to find solutions here, Kay, to your point. He doesn't have some of his best players. No Christian Pulisic, no Timothy Weah, as it's been for a while now, no Tyler Adams. So it's going to be a test of not just Greg Berhalter, but the considerable depth of this American pool. I think that the number two guys in this pool are good enough to beat Trinidad and Tobago. The question is, are they good enough to dominate uh, this Trinidad and Tobago team? Okay, Seb, we know you love a little tip and a little bet. What can you tell us for these games coming up? What should we be Uh, looking out for? Well, in in good uh, Football Americas fashion, okay, we went with the uh, Mexican-American dual national parlay here. All right, let's start with the United States against Trinidad and Tobago. I I mentioned I think they're going to win pretty easily here. Uh, Not just the fact that they're at home, but if you look back at the Gold Cup, the USA beat Trinidad and Tobago 6-0. That was the USA B team. So you got to think most of the A teams going to have a, an even easier time than that. I think the USA minus three and a half is, is a pretty safe bet. And then Mexico tomorrow night, they go away to Honduras, which has usually been a house of horrors, not just for Mexico, for the United States, for everybody in CONCACAF. But Honduras is now playing their home games in San Pedro Sula, as they always have. They've moved their home games out of their iconic stadium down there. So I don't think the Mexican players will be comfortable, but they certainly won't be as uncomfortable. And if we go back to the Gold Cup, and the Mexico-Honduras showdown there. Mexico won that 4-0. So I think Mexico minus a goal and a half tomorrow night in Honduras. You smash those together, you get yourself a nice little CONCACAF parlay where we never find gobbins, as the boys would find uh, all over. Gobbins. 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 I don't worry, Sebi. I'm with you. I have no idea. Gobbins. Gobbins. That, that was new for me as well. Yeah. Football America's coming up after the game tonight. What can we expect on the latest show? Yep, Herc and I will be all over, of course, uh, the United States game against Trinidad and Tobago. We will be looking ahead to tomorrow's game between Mexico and Honduras. we got a great list of guests. Uh, Thomas Rongen, 
former uh, MLS manager who's now got a movie being made about his life. Michael Fassbender's playing the, uh, the lead role there. Juan Guerra, he's the manager of USL Championship winning Phoenix Rising, going to join us. Midge Purse, the MVP of the NWSL Championship, going to join us. And uh, Paxton Aronson with Luis Miguel Echegaray. So an interview, full edition of Football America is coming up later tonight, Kay. Another unmissable edition of Football Americas. Make sure to catch it tonight after the game with Seb Herc and a star-studded lineup. Yep, I'm sure it will be. Well, we got through it. I tell you what, that show might be good, but those CONCACAF Champions League, holy smoke! You're not watching tonight, then. <laughs> holy smoke! Stick around here. Blindfold on. It still more that. from these guys and Jan. Extra time is on the way next. latest edition of Extra Time, we have Craig, Stevie and Jan with us. Jan is still defrosting after being at the Norway Faroe <laughs> Islands game. Friendly. Hey Jan, you're going to Scotland at the weekend, is that right? I do. I right, do. you gotta, you got to get some Scottish delicacies down your throat. I don't mean, I, I don't mean, I don't mean lager. I no, mean, I don't, uh, I, I don't drink lager, but what's, what's the delicatessen that I have well, to taste get, when I'm in Glasgow? You've got to get a fish supper. Yeah. Sausage and chips. What else, Steve, has you got to get? Well, he's got to get the fried Mars bar. Fried Mars bar? You've got to What's try that? that. What's that? Fried Mars bar. A fried Mars bar. Exactly what it sounds like. That's exactly what it sounds like. And you've got to go in the chip shop, ask for chips and curry sauce. Nah, I can't. I will, I, I, I'll, I'll be live stuff. in when I find these delicatesses. Delicatesses in the glass. Correct. Delicacies. Okay, well, safe travels. Have a nice time. First question, who was the most demanding manager you had and how did you manage that? <laughs> oh, Gleish, easily. I tell you what, you if you if he thought for one second you dropped your standard, he'd be all over you. I've, I've got a, it's a long story. But basically I traveled a five I traveled five hours on the Friday. Play the game on the Saturday, travel five hours back on the Saturday night, that's ten hours. On the Sunday, I did another five hours, played another game, had eight pints, <laughs> travelled another five hours back, so that's 20 hours in three days, and eight, eight pints of lager, because I didn't think I was playing in a testimonial game on the Monday. <laughs> Phil Neal's testimonial at Anfield, 40,000 people, and I, and and he brought me on with the last 20 minutes to go, right? And I couldn't feel my, I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't, <laughs> honestly. And I came in and sat down. And it was a testimonial, but it was a pre-season game, so it was kind of, there was some importance, and it was against Everton. And he came walking up to me and went, what was that? And I went, what do you mean? He went, what was that? I went, what are you talking about? He said, don't you ever do that again. He said, if you don't want to play, just tell me you don't want to play, and that'll be it. Don't ever do it again. And he walked off. I'm like, ah, what? Were you surprised? Were you surprised? But he didn't do it again. He caught me, not afterwards when I thought about it, but he caught me by surprise when he did it. Why do you have eight pints? Because I didn't think I was playing on the Monday. He told me I wouldn't be needed on the Monday. This is the only player in the world. You should have said you told me you wouldn't be needed. This is the only player in the world. And I can, I can imagine no other country in the world where you have like 20 lagers before a game and you're surprised that the manager tells you, what's that? <laughs> that is... 
Yeah, but you caught him by surprise. I caught him by surprise, honestly. I wasn't expecting that. Anyone for you, Craig? Not really. No. I mean, I have to. I'd say one of them. I don't know if demanding is the right, but I think it was because I was a kid or a young younger player. Was Bobby Campbell? Most people yeah. won't remember Bobby Campbell. Uh, he's no. He's he's passed away. But Bobby was a scouser who, amongst others, managed Fulham and with the George Best era and all that. He was a bit of a, a smoozer. He could always get in with the hierarchies, but he was very gruff, very sort of, even with the pros, and I was a reserve team teenager at the time. And always, I was actually always well dressed. Yeah, and I was actually scared of him. He used to shout at the kids all the time, which wasn't great. So he was, I always felt he was... Uh, I can't imagine you being scared of anyone. Yeah, but when I was a t- <laughs> intimidating when you're 18, 19, and you're not, you haven't reached that level that you want to get and somebody's talking to you. Not just me, it was everybody. I, it wasn't talking to me that way, it was <clears> talking to everybody. Uh, which is not, you know, so I think a lot of the youngsters were quite, in fact, a lot of the senior pros, in fact, Dave Mitchell, the, uh, the Scottish, Scottish stroke Aussie, Big Dave, the striker, almost bust Bobby's door down one day. He was so, and I'd never seen Dave like that. But he, he, he shouted at Mitch at, in front of all the boys that he couldn't, Mitch, you couldn't buy a goal. But one of the funny things with Bobby Campbell, just briefly, he came in the dressing room and this made the boys laugh. He came in at half time once and I was an apprentice, we were stood in the background and he was rollicking all the players. You're, you're terrible, you're rubbish, you're fired, you're never playing again, this is the first team, right? And then he grabbed one of the Gatorade bottles. Ah, shouting everybody, ah, and he went like that to drink the Gatorade. But what unbeknown to him, uh, the Gatorade bottles had been filled with the oil to massage. Oh. <laughs> it was oil for massaging the players, and he went like that. <laughs> and all the, all the lads were like killing us, they were laughing. Karma. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. Most of the other managers were, yeah. uh, were pretty all right. I mean, I was with Kenny a little bit at Celtic, but he was semi hands off at that point. Right. I will, so, I will have to bring Apart right from right. the time he came storming in the dressing room at half time to give everybody a tailing off when he wasn't the manager, which, and Barnsley was the manager. So Kenny had had enough. And there's Steve who knows a way better than me. When Kenny's had enough, he's had enough. Ah, he just, you're back to head down, look at the ground. Don't make eye contact, all that stuff. <laughs> I, I would have to bring in, I have to bring in Felix Magath. They say he's the, one of the toughest coaches and I had in him uh, at Eintracht Frankfurt. But I was a time in my career, it's interesting when Craig is saying, you're, when you're 19, you have another approach to a manager like that. So I had Felix Margaret, I must have been 33 or something. So I think that he was very, very tough, but I, I kept on laughing because it was so terrible, something, some things that he did with running. We were running for one and a half hour, he was a, 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 a big, he was running, and then he put he put players in when he was at Bayern Munich. He won the double two years in a row at, at the Bayern Munich. But he had a had a trick where he took in players into it. He said, uh, "You remember Claudio Pizarro played for Werder Bremen or Bayern Munich mm-hmm. from Peru? He took him into his. Tra- he said, get him into my room in his uh, manager's uh, office, and he, Pizarro came in, and Maga didn't say anything for five minutes. He didn't say anything." And Pizarro was thinking, what's going on? And then he said, no, you can leave. 
that was the kind of coach he was. And when, when he took over Fulham, our English paper wanted me to make small stories. I did it on Twitter about Felix Magat, and I made him funny. And it was, it was uh, as, as I was 33 when he did it, I, I was laughing whatever thing he did. So William Quist, remember the Danish midfielder who played for Fulham, there was a game in the Champions League and he was working at the TV station. He came over to me. I never met William Quist in my life. And he said, when Felix Magath came to Fulham, I thought your stories in the paper were just fun, but he's even worse, he said. But Felix Magath is one of those characters and I ending up liking him because I think he went so much over the top that you, you just had to laugh. He seems a bit of a weird fella when you sort of watch and listen to him. Only the small interactions that I've seen from him. But I tell you yeah. one, Jim Smith was intimidating. I played for Jim. I was Jim's captain. But I wasn't intimidated. The question is, I wasn't intimidated by Jim. But he'd shout at me, he'd shout at everybody, but I'd just tell Jim where to go. But it was interesting to watch the others, right? <laughs> Be intimidated. It was quite fun, actually. Because you had to go and pick the, You had to go as a captain or a senior player and pick the pieces up. You go and ask Danny Higginbottom, Rory Delap, <laughs> Seth Johnson, Dion Button, all these boys, uh, Malcolm Christie, Chris Riggett, <laughs> all these boys, when Jim used to, wasn't, you call it the hairdryer that Fergie used to, when, you, when Jim used to do this, they used to crumble. And then you had to go <laughs> by the, after the game or on Monday and, and talk to them. And uh, they, were f they were fine about it, but they were definitely, yeah. they were definitely intimidated by Jim's presence. Right. Know? Right. He was, but he was a fun guy. He just was like that. He, he yeah, never, exactly. He was. He wasn't. Bobby. And I don't want to say this badly. Bobby was. Bobby Campbell was quite crude with it. Jim was just getting it out of his system, and then it'd be gone. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That was. Did yeah. that, there's a difference right. between the two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, next. Not cough for a while. What's no, up? I haven't. So let's enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> Jinxed. Yeah, I had a bit of a coughing fit or two. Is that what it was? <laughs> don't worry. They, don't worry. They took your mic down while you were splattering it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> right, an assistant coach for an NFL team recently got hit hard when a player ran out of bounds and now needs shoulder surgery. Did you ever witness a manager get injured on the sideline during a match? No, I, di I, didn't, I didn't see one get injured, but if you, I've seen, uh, talking about the, the answer to the last question about managers getting so mad in the dressing room that players stand up and want to have a fight with the manager. <laughs> We we, play, we played at Ipswich with Sheffield uh, with Swindon. Uh, we played at Ipswich and uh, John Gorman, who is the nicest man in football, he had a go at our uh, second goalkeeper. He came on and did a big mistake. So they were having a kind of a fight, but the boys kind of took them away. And and John Gorman had the best moustache in football. Remember John Gorman? Uh, and the next game we play there, John Munker uh, at West Ham, and he played at Swindon at that time. He went in before everybody else. So he, he draw, uh, uh, like like the police investigation, he draw John Gorman on the table at the, at the floor with a big moustache. So when the whole team came in, he was lying there like in a, a crime scene. And, and he, he wasn't injured. But it was very, very close that I have a big fight then, uh, after that as well. Yeah. I've never seen a manager. I don't think I've seen one. I tell you what, I saw, I thought I was going to see a big fight once, a huge one between Paul Hart, the forest manager at the time, who's a big chap. He's big, a big lad. He's a big lad, Hart. Yeah, he's a he nice fella. Uh, lovely guy, had a great forest side at the time. They were playing Reading away. 
And my mate, Charlie McPallan, was his assistant, and he said Harty was going to kill, metaphorically speaking, uh, Alan Pardew. Because the ball was going out of play to the technicals, and Alan Pardew was doing all the stepovers. Dummy in it and all that. Right. And Harty was going to, apparently, he was going to... <laughs> Man, Absolutely. Because <laughs> you know Alan Pardew's got that in him, isn't ah, he? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. He's got that. But you know what I'd love yeah, to do? Obviously they were winning. Pardew's team was winning. Yeah, they were. You know what I'd love to do now? And I think I've got it in my psyche. I think I'd try this. All right. Do you know what these coaches that literally stand on the field like Arteta? And I'm bringing Arteta up. It's not, but he's one of the worst. And he's been warned for his encroachment. I'd love to just, whether it's him or somebody else, just time it. When the ball's going over there and one of their players is going to get it and he gets so close, he just come flying in and wipe the lot of them out. <laughs> Too film. Yeah. No, I'm so thinking about this. No, I'm just thinking about it now. I would, because I, 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 I watched them on the touchline and their the, the toes are almost on the field. And I'm thinking, oh, given an opportunity, come straight over, get the player, whoever it is, the wide player, and then take the manager right through Arteta or whoever it is and wipe them all out. Possible fight ensues, I don't know. I'm surprised that there's not more managers. Get that. Carded and, and red carded and, and shoving yeah. and pushing. I'm shocked because they are five yards apart. And there's the, it is the most irritating thing in the world when you've got the opposite coach standing to you, whatever side it is, moaning and groaning and talking garbage and making calls that are just not right. And you, the only thing you want to do is go over and deck them. <laughs> so the fact that, so the fact there's not more red cards with the managers because of where they, the, the, where they have to stand these days, I'm shocked. Okay. But I, I, would, I, would, bring in, I would just bring in another more irritating guy. At the, the, it's a fourth official. That the fourth official that follow all the rules and talking to them all the time, going forward and back between the managers. But uh, yes, I think CB, we the temper we had. But I'm, I'm just curious what happened in the dressing room nowadays with all these so-called modern managers. Because when I guess we could just talk about so many situations in the dressing room when there nearly were confrontations with the manager. I had Will Donerkey at Sheffield United. He had a go at me at halftime. I took off my shoes and tried to hit him. I mean, and I'm a kind guy in the dressing room, but that can never happen now. I can't imagine that a modern oh, no. coach with all his iPads and everything, that someone would throw a shoe at him or, or have a go at the iPad. How do they do it now? They I just I get out of the same. I, I only happened to me once, but I was once nose to nose with one of my players, a guy called Danny Hernandez. That's the only, but but once is once is good. I'm su I'm surprised that I only did it once, but I was kind of mild mannered by the time I got to the dressing room. So yeah, I I, I mean I, I'm shocked. I really am shocked. Pep Guardiola turns up at the press conference, he's got a big stud mark in his head where one of the players has hit him with a boot. You don't get it these days. Football's just not the same anymore, is it? Yeah, and it would be out there straight away. We'd know about it if it had happened, wouldn't we? Fergie, when, when yeah. Sir Alex was, kicked the boot and it hit Beckham yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing yeah, is, yeah. nobody bothers it. But, but back when that happened, it was done. You know, Craig was talking about the Jim Smith thing. Well, yeah, once he got yeah. it out of his system, and it was the yeah. same with me and Danny. As soon as we got it out of system, you know, 10 minutes later, we're going back on the field. So 10 minutes later, it was right, hey, right, now we know what we've got to do. And then off we went. 
<laughs> As Jan said, today they'll all be sitting in the corner going, oh, he doesn't like me. He's shouting at me. Oh, oh greeting. Yeah. All right, tell me have about we, it. Have we got an HR at this club? Get me up there. <laughs> Stevie, Zidane told Messi he saw things one second before anyone else, but Messi saw it three seconds before anyone else. Could you explain what he meant by this from the, the Messi just got one upmanship on him, is that what it was? An example of some of your teammates or opponents would be great for this. So did Zidane say to Messi, I saw things, I'm, I mean, I'm... I'm a it looks like Zidane's telling Messi that I saw things be- one second before everyone else mm. did, but you, you see them three seconds. Oh, so it wasn't Messi, Messi him. didn't go, yeah. well, I see them three yeah. seconds, and he no. went, well, I actually see Zidane's them five. Zidane's saying, I did it, I was great, but you were amazing in that aspect. Yeah. So, uh, can you think of anybody like that, Stevie? Or like that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, Dalglish would. I mean, he scored a lot of goals, but his his genius was the way that he brought other people into the game and passes and you know he would he would he would play a ball into a gap and you'd be like, what's he playing that? And the next minute somebody was there. <laughs> I mean, they just you know. So I'll give here's a good example. So. If, if I'm playing centre forward and Craig's got the ball, I've been playing with Craig for six months, I know what's going to be going on in his head and where he's going to look to probably play it. So I'll end up making a run because I know he's looking at that, he's looking at a certain place and then it all <coughs> comes together. Whereas I think people like Messi, not only do they know what their own players are going to do, but they're actually figuring out who the defender is, what does he normally do, what's he going to do? I mean, that ball that Messi played, uh, probably I think it was the third or fourth game back when he came to MLS, he played this incredible ball from the top of the penalty box in behind the left back. And it just didn't look on. But it was. It went inside the full back. Somebody came running around, he went for the, the return and put it in the back of the net. So. It's the awareness of so many things at the one time, which makes it easy for them. Instead of maybe just figuring out one thing or two things, they've just got everything all planned in their head and see what's coming. When I was leaving Celtic, right, talking about Kenny, when I, when I was leaving or about to leave Celtic, I, it, one of my advisor, an advisor, had a discussion with him about the transfer, and, and one of Kenny's takes on me was. He said, Craig's a good player, he said, he, in my opinion, he doesn't see the pass early enough. Right, now I thought I did, but by his standards, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Because he was seeing a picture as a player, and obviously as a coach and a manager. Douglas saw the picture mm. quicker and clearer than probably most people, certainly at Liverpool. So he was seeing that picture, and so I don't know if I, he was judging me by his standards, because I could never get, but that was one of the things that he said, he said, look, just a, not seeing the picture early enough, and it isn't. As a kid, when you're growing up, as a, when you go to youth teams and stuff, and I remember my coaches at Chelsea in the under-18s, picture, picture, picture. You got to, particularly as a midfielder, you got to have a picture in your head, which people might think, what are you talking about? Is that it's not taking control of the ball and then putting your head up. It's already, and you, it can't happen every time, because sometimes the ball comes at you right. quick. But it's pretty much as that ball's coming in, you've already got a picture of where you want to go. And some people... Like Messi. Some people just do it way better than others. It's easy. It just comes naturally. And you know when you watch games, for those people that watch games and go to games, 
and sit high up and, and it seems easy and it looks as if there's a big space and a big area and then you go down if you ever get the chance to go down to eye level which I'm sure you've yeah. done and then you look if you go down to a, a big game wherever it is and in a big stadium and you look at eye level and you go if you watch 11 v 11 in the field you go where's where's the space it just doesn't look as if there's anything it's a different picture that's how I never understand, because I was always pitch side, how different. you guys, managers, can see what you need to see at that level and don't have to sit higher. See, I, I actually see the game. As a coach, I preferred to be down low as right. opposed to being up high. I could, I could watch what was going on with my team better down low than up high. Right. I could never understand them all sitting doing this to the players, not the top. <laughs> Uh, next if question. If he went upstairs, though, he'd just end up. If he went upstairs to watch his team, he'd end up just watching YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Getting the snacks the out of the fridge. <laughs> Steve... Oh, we're two one down, but here's a oh here's a here's an ocean liner crashing into dock on YouTube. <laughs> did, yeah. did you see this kid that's gone viral? Did you see this guy on American Idol? <laughs> oh, the wee boy. All right, Stevie and Jan. I'll start with you, Jan. We know golf is Craig's passion outside of soccer. But what is your passion or favourite hobby beyond soccer? Oh, I need to be very boring and nerdy here. I like to read. I'm a reader. I like to read a book. I'm a book what reader. What are you reading now? I am leading now a Norwegian author who is to, uh, uh, something from the Second World War. I'm very into the Second World War and the Roman Empire. So fact, not fiction. Mm -hmm. uh, this this one I do know is is uh, what, what is it in uh, England? It is non-fiction. No, this is fiction. I do fiction now, but I, I I try to do more fiction because that makes my head going more. You know, Craig. So Jan would have worked with the Roman Empire question. That's something that went viral on TikTok, Stevie. Yeah, How yeah. often <laughs> men think of the Roman Empire? Yeah. How often do you think of it, Jan? All the time. There you go. See, he would have. Being what I needed that day when everybody just oh, exactly. looked at me blankly. <laughs> no, uh, All right, uh, what about you then, Stevie? Oh, gardening. Love gardening. <laughs> Love the garden. We've seen the proof that you yeah, hate right. it. <laughs> well, I had, a, I had a bit of a spell for a few years where a lot of golf, but I've, I've kind of fell out of love with it. To be honest, I, just, I, like, I like taking the grandkids to the swings and to all the, the parks and, and all the other You know stuff. why, Kay? Because it's free. Oh, Stevie's a good granddad, <laughs> though, isn't he? Yeah, and it's free. Golf's not free. <laughs> Billy B's grandkids this way. I can assure you, Billy B's is not free. It's cheaper than golf. For Jan, who is on the Mount Rushmore, uh, the Mount Rushmore of Norwegian football? Ah, that's a good one. Who is on the Mount? Help me with that one. Help so, me. Have you, it's the top four. So, if you were to have a big monument, yeah, yeah, of and course, four yeah, of faces course. carved into it. Who would the four be for Norwegian football? I will say that uh, we, we have to start with the two are closest to world class at the moment. It's Erling Haaland, we have to be having him there. Martin Ødegaard, uh, I have to put in uh, Rune Bratset, centre half of Werder Bremen, our captain uh, in the 90s for the national team. Uh, and I would put in Halvar Torresen, you won't know him, but he played in the Dutch league in, in the 70s or 80s when we didn't have a lot of professionals. He was our team captain at that moment, so I have to put Halvar Torresen in. Uh, the favourite player of Erik Ten Hag, I mind you uh, saying, because at the beginning when I got my interviews at Ten Hag, I only said 
Uh, you know Halvard Thorsen? Yes, I do. How is he? And I got my interviews. Uh, no love for Vida Rishef. Vida Rishef. He's the head of sponsorship now in the big companies here. He's a mate of mine, Vida Rishef. Uh, funny nice guy, guy, isn't he, Craig? He's <laughs> yeah, daft. absolutely. He's a saying for Vida, daft as a brush. Daft. Right, so I didn't no, mean yesterday. He didn't say that. See it, no, I, I, daft as a brush means a fun guy. Yeah, Gaza, well, Bobby okay, Robson said okay. it about Gaza, that he's daft as a brush. Yeah, yeah, daft as a brush, yeah. fun guy, yeah. I'm not sure that Vida Reset will <laughs> like to be compared with Gascoigne, but okay, I'll I, I buy it, i buy it. Ask him about the time I tied his shoes together in the uh, in the gym when he came out, he had to hop home. <laughs> I, will, I will ask him. He's probably in Glasgow this All right, week. last question. You hold on, hold well, on. You didn't see mine yesterday, did you? Well, well I had the same question. So, Mount Rushmore, who's the four Scottish players? Do you know what I noticed about yesterday? <laughs> you were also on yesterday's extra time. Question by question. Also, also on yesterday's <laughs> extra time, you went back to the previous day's extra time again. Oh, did we? Are you going to do that every day you're on now? No, it's just interesting that question. I just wonder what yours is, how yours is going to be. So you must have seen it then? No. Well, how do you know? I, I think I switched it off. All right. So, so extra time who's, started. Who's the four, who's the four jocks on, on Mount Rushmore? On your Mount Rushmore? No, what that's, would yours be? Yours. The four uh, best Scottish players of all time. Jim Baxter. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think now, because we're going back to oh. Willie Caldwell and all them. Willie Caldwell. Does it have to Belgleish. be a player? All right, so... so. Could it not be just someone who's contributed to Scot Scottish football or Scotland? All right, uh, like, so you'd have all right. help me out here. You need, you need to help me, because there's actually been... People won't believe this. I think I need a bit of help here, because some people watching that don't know much about the yeah. Scottish football won't realise how many hey. good players... You just look yeah. at it now and go, oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, so my, for the last 50 or 60 years, they've had some of the best players in the world. So mine was Hansen, Douglas Sooners and Dennis Law. That was my four. Bit of a Liverpool angle there. <laughs> well, it is, but... But again, Jim Baxter, I had Jim, Jim Baxter, Baxter in the mix. What about Jinky Johnson? Kenny Douglas, definitely. Well, it's tough, well, isn't it? It is tough. What about managers? Sir Alex Ferguson, Bill Shankly, Jock Steen. Jock Steen. Yeah. Oh, there's another one. George Jordan. George Jordan. This there's been a lot. Of... This would be a great podcast from you Gordon guys. Gordon McQueen. Gordon McQueen. Big Gogo. Oh, Big honestly, Gogo. people won't realise. Danny McGrain. The Premier League and, Eng and Scottish football. Billy Archie Bremner. Archie Gemmell. Archie hey, Gemmell. Billy, Billy Bremner. Billy Bremner. Archie Gemmell. Don Marson. Oh. oh. Him and I are Great starting team. a podcast. Aye. Yeah, imagine. Three days a week. Yeah. Three days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get, get ex-pros to talk about their countries. and who We're going to call people up. Well. Do you want to come on? No, right. Goodbye. No goalkeepers, but... <laughs> that's, a lot. That's, that's, a, that's a difficult one. Huh? It yeah. is. And that's with just players. All right, you can think about it. Billy and uh, no doubt on tomorrow's show, we can talk about <laughs> it again. Because Stevie does like bringing up what's been on on the previous day's show. Yeah. Next day's show. <laughs> well, it was you that started it with that question, not me. <laughs> not my question, was it? Uh, hey, we can get, we can cough somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs>